Um, so yeah, guys, so Herrick mentioned it already, but I want to kind of give you the precursor too. Um, Chris and Mary will be in town. Dana and Stu will be in town. I know many people, like I think Chris is coming on Memorial Day weekend too. So if you're planning a trip or something or getaway, I cannot encourage you enough. Like try to do it around this time because if there's one thing, um, Chris has this unique kind of gift on his life. And he's a generous man, a loving man. And there, but there's something about when you bring in spiritual fathers um, to speak to the church that there's nothing like the voice of a father. Um, so I cannot encourage you enough. Be there. Be here with us on the 26th. Uh, I promise you, uh, you will be you will be blessed. Okay. Um, go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're gonna get jump. We're gonna jump in here quick. Uh, we're gonna be at John chapter seven this morning. Those of you guys that uh, are are newer with us, we're in the middle of a series we call Jesus Is, and we're going through the Gospel of John. Uh, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible, and it's basically just this eyewitness account about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, um, written by his closest friend. We've been going through this for, this is our 24th week in the Gospel of John, and we're about, a th- we're exactly a third through, almost a third through, so we still have a ways to go. Uh, but this has been a really rich time for us, man. We've been learning all about Jesus. Uh, no matter how long you've been following Jesus, maybe it's been a day or you don't, or it's been decades like we never stop learning about Jesus. The moment we move on from Jesus, we've moved on from Christianity, okay? Like Jesus is the point of this. We want to be a church that is so grounded in who Jesus is and what he's done and always learning more and more about who Jesus is and what he's done and what that means for our lives. So that's why we're in this series. It's been really, really good. While you're flipping there, uh, I was thinking about baby Jesse and thinking about this week and it reminded me... um, this, is, this was an exhausting week for me personally. Uh, God did some amazing things, which was great, but it was, it was one of those weeks where I was like running on fumes. And it brought me back to when we first started having kids. And those of you guys that are parents in the room, you know, there's nothing like the loss of sleep um, that a newborn provides uh, that just causes your brain to function just differently. Uh, lack of sleep, it jacks you up in many ways. Um, I can remember when, with, the first, with our first daughter, Amelia, um, did you guys ever have those experiences where you're so in that zone where you're waking up all the time throughout the night, you know? And <clears throat> there was a couple times where I can remember being asleep and, and hearing the phantom scream where you wake up and you run in there and they're totally asleep and you're like, I'm just so used to running in the middle of, like running into the room in the middle of the night I've been robbed of this, you know, deep sleep and this rhythm sleep and all this stuff, but there's nothing like a, like a newborn to kind of like interrupt your sleep because it, as bad as it sounds, a, new, a newborn's a gift and it's beautiful and it's amazing, but it's also a barrier to good sleep. Um, barrier, this idea of barrier. Uh, some of us, we have these like desires to go on these dream vacations or to have these experiences or to own something new or possess something new. And there's a barrier that keeps us from actually getting those things. Maybe it's a financial barrier. Or you just don't have the time to pursue those things. There's these, these barriers. Those of you guys that are students, I'm looking around the room seeing how many students we have, a handful. Those of you guys that are students in the room, uh, maybe your parents put barriers on your phone. <laughs> Rightfully so. 
to kind of minimize your usage and keep you from accessing things that potentially wouldn't be good for you or that would harm you. Um, and that's not, that's not something that should just be for uh, students, by the way. Uh, we all need that as well. The, the, the screen time app or whatever it is on the phone is God's gift because it can minimize how much time you're staring into that what is it, black mirror, you know, this, the, the, the show. We all need that. We need, sometimes barriers can be really, really helpful, but sometimes they can keep us from things. It's this idea of barriers, Today we're going to talk about barriers. We're going to talk about barriers that not just keep us from like the, the dream vacation or from sleep. We're going to talk about barriers that keep us from God. Okay? So John chapter 7. I'm going to jump in here, but before I do, I'm going to pray for us. Okay? Will you pray with me? God, thank you for this morning. I really do feel your peace. Um, and I've been craving it. Uh, so I am thankful for your goodness and your generosity. I just pray peace over the room now for all of us. For anybody who's not experiencing peace, I pray that right now they'd, their heart would be at rest, they'd be able to breathe easy. Maybe even the, the tension in their shoulders would kind of release. Their mind would stop running. And they'd be able to, we'd all be able to just receive from you. That's our desire. We want to be led by you, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, the lover of our soul. So bless us. Guide us, Holy Spirit. Show us Jesus. That's what we want. I want more of you. In your beautiful name, amen. Okay, so John chapter 7. I'm going to start in verse 10. And we're going to go through, uh, all the way through verse 24. I'm going to kind of read a bit, talk a bit, read a bit, talk a bit. So just try to follow along with me, okay? Here we go. Um, John chapter 7, verse 10. After his brothers, the his is Jesus, okay? After Jesus' brothers had gone up to the festival... Then he also went up, not openly, but secretly. The Jews were looking for him at the festival and saying, where is he? Okay, pause for just a second. This idea of the festival, what is this festival? Is it Coachella? Is it Lollapalooza? What's happening? Where are they going here? No, the festival that they're talking about is it's, it's, it's referred to as the Festival of Booths. Or maybe you've heard of like the Feast of Tabernacles. This is like a, this is a Jewish festival. This is a Jewish celebration. This is something that was on their calendar every year. And it wasn't just like a day or two, like a weekend, like Coachella. It was a week-long thing. Seven days set aside every year to celebrate something. What they would celebrate was they would celebrate the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And specifically the goodness and the faithfulness of God, that God delivered them out of bondage, out of slavery from Egypt. If you guys are familiar with the story, right? Like, you know, Charlton Heston, let my people go, the whole thing, you know, Ten Commandments, if you've seen the movie. But it's this, Moses led the people of God out of slavery, you know, the parting of the Red Sea, the whole thing, out of slavery in Egypt. That's what they were celebrating, that God was faithful to deliver them, his goodness. They didn't deserve that. They'd, re, they'd rejected and rebelled against God for generations. And God said, okay, took his hand of protection off them, and they go into bondage into Egypt, but he's still in his faithful love redeems them out of that. That's what they're celebrating in the Festival of Booths, this festival that we're talking about here. Okay, and what they would do is, the reason they say it's the Festival of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles is they would, they would basically build these little structures that they would live in. Think like tents, but they would use like parts of trees and branches and stuff. Um, so think like the most epic, you know, thousands of people camping, essentially, okay? But it's this celebration, it's this festival celebrating God's goodness. What I love about this is that the, the people of God for, geez, millennia now, 
They've been prioritizing celebrating God and his faithfulness and his goodness. It was a priority to them. They're in, in fact, we've talked about this a bit, but like the Jewish calendar was set up, it was, it was structured around celebration. I think ours kind of is with like holidays and stuff, but I think for whatever reason in our culture, we just try to like do what we gotta do to get through them and keep moving. And there might be a day or maybe a long weekend, but man, for thousands of years, guys, the people of God have been prioritizing, celebrating who God is, what he's done, his faithfulness, his goodness. Their calendar, like it prioritized celebration. Does your calendar prioritize celebration? Do you actually give yourself to that? This is something that matters. This is a big deal to us as a church. We want, to be, we want to be a people who give ourselves over to actually celebrating who God is and what he's done in deep, profound ways, okay? So if you need permission to uh, prioritize your calendar around celebration, you just have it. Go ahead and do it. You have permission, okay? It also says here that Jesus went up there not just uh, to the festival. He says he went up there not openly, but secretly, okay? So he was there, but he wasn't there kind of openly. He wasn't broadcasted. He was up there secretly, Um. I, any, anybody like to fish? Anybody? Handful of us? Okay, I enjoy fishing. I'm not like an avid angler or anything, but I, I enjoy it. It bring, brings my soul rest. It's fun, especially when you're catching fish. Uh, it changes everything. <laughs> but um, I remember uh, before I got married, I took a trip um, to the Eastern Sierras with some friends. And it was, I want to say it was like October or November so it was right on the cusp of like, okay, the snow season, it's going to start really snowing up there and you can't really get to the lakes and the streams and stuff. Um, and, on, and on one of these trips, there was a group of us and there was a couple different lakes we were debating on whether or not we were going to go to which lake. And I think, if I remember correctly, one lake was Lake George and one lake was Lake Crowley. And so a handful of us, I think we all went to Crowley and Crowley's cool, and it's fine, and it's pretty and stuff. You're in the mountains. But me and another buddy were like, okay, we fished there for like 10 minutes. And we're like, dude, you know what? Let's go to George. There's like a really epic view over there. It'll be just more beneficial, hopefully, catch more fish, that kind of thing. So we go. We leave the crew, and we're like, hey, we're going to go to George. And they're like, that's fine. Go ahead. So we, we hop in the car, drive down the road to go to Lake George. And it was beautiful. Like, the view was gorgeous. Like, it was crisp. Um, we caught a handful of fish. It was a wonderful time. So then we come back to meet up with the guys at Crowley. And the, I, I knew something had happened because I saw the looks on their faces. And I was like, something just went down. And I'm like, guys, what happened? And they, and they just had their eyes were big and they're like, you have no idea what you just missed. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, you guys left and like 10 minutes later, they showed us all the, like, like, you ever seen, you ever heard, read the stories like Jesus like throw your net on the other side of the boat and like, like we've been fishing all day and then they catch like a, a ton of fish. Guys, we left and they said that fish were jumping out of the water. Like it was just crazy. It was like, catch us, catch us, catch us, catch us. And I was like, oh my gosh. So the running joke was like, this was before hashtags. So the running joke was like, oh, should have gone to Crowley. Like you should have gone with us. Like it was this, it was this blunder on our part. But if you've spent any time fishing, that's rare. Like, you're not always going to see fish jumping out of the water trying to eat like they're starving and you can just, you know, fishing in a barrel thing. Oftentimes, you don't see the fish because they're underneath the water. 
Okay? There are times when the fish are jumping out of the water, and there are times that you can't see them. But listen to me, just because you can't see the fish or you don't see the fish, it doesn't mean they're not there. You tracking with me? Just because you don't see Jesus doesn't mean he's not there. Um, one of the things I love about our church is that we really do know each other. And I know that there are many of us who are like, God, where are you? I don't see you. Where are you? Are you here? Like, where are you in my finances, Lord? Like, things are really hard. Where are you? God, where are you in my love life? Things are not going the way I want them to. This is not the way it's supposed to be, whether it's marriage or singleness or whatever. Oh, Lord, where are you? I don't see you. I'm frustrated. Maybe it's your health. God, we have so much health stuff in the church right now. Where are you? I don't see you. Yeah, the truth is, oftentimes God's timing frustrates us. But just because you don't see Jesus doesn't mean he's not there. We get frustrated at his timing because oftentimes God's timing is very different than our timing would be. Right? Um, So I'm going to try to make this more clear. I really enjoy music. It's something, there's something about the art form and the expression of music that just captures my soul. Okay, I haven't met a whole lot of people who are like, nah, I don't like music. I think, I think most people, in some degree, some genre or some form of music touches your soul. It stirs things up in you. Um, I love music. I dedicated a good chunk of my life um, to just giving myself to making music and hopefully blessing people with music and enjoying music and performing music and all this. I still really enjoy it. And there's something that I feel like, even since I was a young boy, something regarding music that I always kind of appreciated. I've always appreciated like a good song. Because there's something about a song um, that just, at least for me, that it, 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 it does something to me. And the thing that I really like about song is, like, if you think about it, you have each of these in- different instruments, regardless of genre, okay? Pick any genre you want. You have different elements, different instruments. And what these different elements, what these different instruments are doing is they're working together. They're working together, okay? And here's the thing about good songs. Good songs are not about one instrument. They're not about one instrument. They're about the song, the collective expression. They're about the song. Um, There's this awesome Miles Davis quote that I love. Uh, It kind of sums this up. He said something to the effect of the best notes in a song, essentially. The best notes are the notes that you don't play. And what he's doing, what he's he's trying to communicate about, like with that quote is, he's, he's introducing this idea of space, Okay? pauses and dynamics and ups and downs and gaps, not just chaos. You guys know what white noise is? White noise is, you hear in frequencies, okay? You hear in frequencies. And different instruments, they play on different frequency ranges, okay? So Sean's kick drum is going to be low, right? The bass, the, the bass guitar is going to be low. It's a lower frequency, okay? The cymbals on the drums, it's going to be higher frequencies, you hear in these different frequency ranges and different instruments, they play different parts in there, okay? White noise, what it is, is it's all those frequencies at one time. And what does white noise sound like? Somebody, somebody demonstrate this. Yes, thank you. Well done. It's this, it's just, it's chaos, okay? And if you've ever heard really bad music, usually it's just chaos. 
There's no intentionality. It's just everybody, it's a free-for-all. It's selfish. Listen to me, 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 listen to me. It's just this chaos. But a good song is different. A good song is intent, there's intentional space. There's dynamics. When you introduce dynamics, you introduce beauty. And that's what makes the most compelling and beautiful music. Because good music is all about when things happen, when things come in, when things go out. It's all about timing. It's intentional timing for the sake of the collective song. Okay? Listen to me. Hear me say this. God's timing is always intentional. It's always intentional. Um, just before we read this in this passage, I don't know if you, Herrick preached on this a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> just before we just read, you know, about Jesus going up to the, uh, to the festival, not openly, but secretly. Jesus' brothers, they tell him, hey, go up to the festival early. Go reveal yourself to all these people. You'll get more followers, that kind of thing. Go up to the festival early. And his response was what? It was, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. And what he's referring to there is he's referring to like when he says my time is not yet come, he's saying my time to be that, to be that substitute in their place from a death perspective, that my time to die for them, it's not, it's not ready yet. The timing's not right. Why? Because there's more for him to accomplish. His, there's still more of his mission that needed to be accomplished, so the timing wasn't right. If he goes, if he goes early, and he knows they're trying to kill them. He knows that, that there's, there's Jewish leaders that are trying to kill him. He knows if he goes up there early, he's, they're going to kill him. You guys understand this idea. I'm going to introduce this idea of timing. Jesus understood what was happening here, okay? He knew they would have killed him, so what did he do? He delayed because he had more to do. Um, One of the most beautiful verses in the New Testament, in my opinion, is Romans 8, 28. It says, God works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. God works all things for good for those who love him and for those who are called according to his purposes. All things, you know what that word means? All things. Everything, okay? So listen to me. If you trust in the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the gospel, you've heard me say this, this is a review. Hear me out. Listen to me, this is important. I know that you guys know this, but the gospel is that God, almighty God, all-powerful, all-knowing, glorious, never makes mistakes, perfect in all of his ways, that amazing God loves me, the one who rejects his ways, the, ones who does, who do, the person who does his own thing, the rebel, the sinner, me, you. The good news is that that amazing God loves me, that amazing God loves you, and if you trust in that gospel, it won't crush you when it feels like God is delayed because you know he loves you. You know there's purpose. You know there's intentionality in the same way that a good song has space and the timing is always for a reason. If you trust that he loves you, if you trust in the gospel, it won't crush you when you feel like he's delaying or things look bleak or you're frustrated because you know that his timing, hear me say this, you know that his timing is always for your good. Like he's not absent. He's at work. He's intentional. I like to... I don't want to get too poetic with you, but I like to think of life as like a song. Life's like a song. All of creation, all of it, like an orchestra, the biggest orchestra you've ever seen. 
And it's all integrated. It's all connected because it's an orchestra and it's playing a song. It's all integrated. It's all connected. That includes you. You're part of it. And God's the conductor. He's conducting. And he's bringing different elements of the song in and out and he's playing beautiful music. And here's the cool thing. The whole song, all of it, do you know what it's moving towards? It's all moving towards good. It's all moving towards good. Every pause, every dip, everything. And here's what's cool. Here's what makes the song so amazing. What makes the song so amazing, what makes God, the conductor of the song, so amazing is that he uses even the ugly notes. He uses even the mess-ups, every, like even the sin, even the brokenness in life. He doesn't cause evil, but he overrules it. I should say he rules over it. And he causes good to come from it. He orchestrates something good from it. Friends, hear me say this. Listen closely, please. God is a loving father who never stops working for the good of his children, ever. All things, all things. And his timing is always for your good. So, Christian in the room, please take comfort This morning, I want you to have comfort in this. Take comfort in knowing that just because you don't see Jesus doesn't mean he's not there, and his timing is always for your good. 100 times out of 100. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, Verse 12. And there was a, so Jesus is up, he went up secretly to this festival, right, this celebration, and there was a lot of murmuring about him among the crowds. Some were saying he's a good man. Others were saying, no, on the contrary, he's deceiving the people. Still, nobody was talking publicly about him for fear of the Jews. Pause for just a second. Friends, there's a difference between having opinions about Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to say that again. There's a difference between having opinions about Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus. Okay, these people in this passage, they had opinions about Jesus. Some of them good opinions, some of them not so good opinions. So my question for you this morning is, where do you find yourself today? Where do you find yourself this morning? What camp? Do you find yourself in the camp as a person who has opinions about Jesus or a person who has a relationship with Jesus because they're different? Where do you find yourself today? Or maybe the better question is, how do you even know what camp you fall into, what category you fall into? Are you, are, how do you know if you're the person who just has an opinion about Jesus versus the person who has a relationship with Jesus? Okay? A huge indicator, we see it here in, the, in this passage, a huge indicator is how, you, how much you avoid talking about Jesus publicly. Massive indicator. Because the people that have the opinions about Jesus, when it comes to the public thing, quiet. It's different. Um, for a long time. So I've been, I've been, I've been in full-time ministry since 2006. Um, so it's been a, it's been a, and it's been a wild ride. Uh, and I'll be honest, when I entered into ministry, in many respects, I was unqualified and probably shouldn't have been doing it um, for many reasons. But I remember, uh, I remember when I became, uh, when, I remember when I started pastoring and I used to, people like, I'd meet people, and I knew it was inevitably coming because, for whatever reason, in Western culture, people associate your identity with what you do. It's this, this bizarre thing, but it's true. Um, <clears throat> because you're way more than what you do, just so you know. Your identity is not in what you do. 
Um, but we tend to go like, hey, we meet someone, and the first question we ask them is, oh, hey, what do you do? And I remember my, my early years of pastoring, I would, I would be so like kind of nervous because I know that the moment I tell them, hey, uh, I'm a pastor, they're going to be like freaked out. It would, and every time it would happen, guys. Like I'd be talking to some guy and we'd be, you know, connecting on some level or whatever. And, you know, he'd F-bomb this and just being himself. It was awesome. I'm like, cool. Like this guy's being himself around me. That's way, I, I enjoy that. If you're fake, I just can't handle it. Like, please don't be the fake. It's just not cool. But either way, I'd meet people, they'd be engaging with me, and then I knew it's inevitably going to come up. Like, what do you do? What do you do? I'm like, I'm pastor. And immediately, hey, I'm so sorry. I was like, I shouldn't have said those words. Like, I, and I'm like, dude, like, I, I'm not here to police the words that come out of your mouth, okay? Like, and here's what made it worse. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm so sorry, guilt, duh. But it was like, it felt like in that moment, with most people, it was like shut down. We might have been like connecting and, been, and kind of hitting it off. And the moment that I pulled the, the P card, uh, it sounds terrible, sorry. That was an improvisation. Uh, the moment I dropped that I'm a pastor, it's like, it's like game over. They don't want to talk to me anymore because I'm the weird religious guy. But when I know that changed, it's cool. Like what, what happened over time is that really started to change in me. And... Now I'm, I'm so excited. I, like, I, I get almost giddy when I meet someone because I know they're going to ask me. I know it's going to come up. But you know what's cool about it is now I, I have this, this kind of, sh- not shortcut, I have this opportunity to get to the gospel of Jesus in every, almost every conversation I have with somebody new. And whereas it, it really caused a lot of shame in me in the past, like, gosh, anymore? Because think about it, like, I don't want to be the weird guy who's like, oh, hey, yeah, what sports teams do you like? Oh, cool, I like the Lakers, I like the Dodgers. Let me tell you about Jesus. Like, I don't want to just go to the random thing, but I want the world to know the goodness of God. It's not a religious thing. I'm not trying to get them to like, put on the uniform and sign their name on the, like, the club roster. I want them to know a person that will change and transform their life. It's like, I love Herrick Berga. I'm like, oh, I want you to know Herrick because he's epic, and he's going to benefit your life. It's like that same kind of a thing, as good as Herrick is and amazing is, like times a billion. So it's not about like getting them to subscribe to beliefs necessarily. It's about wanting them to know a person, wanting them to know Jesus. So now I get super excited because someone, oh, hey, what do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. I'm a church planner. Oh, I'm so sorry for cussing. Da, 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 da. Like, the, oh, hey, dude, don't, I'm not worried about that. Like, don't even sweat it. <clears throat> like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not freaking out because you just said that. Sometimes I'll even say things that would cause them to like think differently about the church. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll share things about myself and, and, the, and, and, the, and the mistakes that I've made that breaks down the barrier. But my favorite thing is to be able to like instantly from there be able to segue like, hey dude, I'm not better than you. I'm not better than you. I just had this crazy encounter with this guy, Jesus. Like, let me tell you about some of the stuff I used to, like some of the things I genuinely used to desire. I don't desire those things anymore. I don't understand Why? But Jesus has changed my life in these specific ways. And instantly in that moment, it's not weird. He just knows where I'm at. And actually, there can be relationships. So it's a different thing. But the reason I share that with you <clears throat> is I want to ask you, like, is the topic of Jesus something that you avoid? Maybe it's not just, maybe it's not just random conversations. But is the topic of Jesus something that you avoid? 
Are there people in your life that you don't, that are in life that, that don't even know that you're a Christian? It's like you're in hiding almost. You haven't come out of the closet. People in your life that don't even know that you're engaged in following the way of Jesus. And don't hear me say that you have to be this like annoying kind of street preacher. That's not what I'm saying. Condemning people. That's, that's like, that couldn't be the farthest thing. But again, this is not a set of rules. We know someone who's transforming our life. It, he's a, Jesus is a person with, with unmatched power. And he's, cha- he's changing me. And, it, and, and those changes have been radical, friends. I want other people to experience the freedom and the joy and the security because they're pursuing those things. They're, everybody's pursuing those things, whether it's money, I need a better job, I, I, I want security, and they think that money's gonna give them security, but then they get cancer. Oh, I can't pay to get, can't get rid of cancer. Like, the, I don't wanna go too far on this tangent. I just want you to see only Jesus can give you the peace, the hope, the joy, the security um, that your heart, that you were created to have. You were created to operate with that, to live that way forever. Not just in eternity in his presence, but here and now in his presence in the midst of a broken world. Do you, do you avoid, do you avoid, like do you, is Jesus a topic that you avoid? Friends, there's a difference between having opinions about Jesus and having a relationship with him, okay? And you know you're in a dangerous place when just like the people in this passage, Jesus is a topic that you avoid, okay? No condemnation. I avoided it as a pastor. But it's a good indicator of the, of the condition of the relationship. You tracking with me? Okay, let's keep going. Verse 14. All right, when the festival was already half over, Okay, here Jesus is going to make his appearance now, halfway through. Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. Then the Jews were amazed and said, how is this man so learned since he hasn't been trained? Verse 16, Jesus answered them, my teaching isn't mine, but it's from the one who sent me. If anyone wants to do his will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own. The one who speaks on his own seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Didn't Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? And they responded this. They said, you have a demon, the crowd responded. Who is trying to kill you? Okay, basically what's happening here is these people, they're questioning Jesus' qualifications, They're questioning his qualifications. And instead of truly weighing his teaching, they discount his teaching because Jesus wasn't trained by a rabbi. Okay, he wasn't like, um, he wasn't, what's the word? Like officially trained in rabbinical school. And and essentially, it's it's basically like Jesus didn't go to seminary. Okay, so these people, you didn't go to seminary. Like how could, this, this doesn't make any sense. Okay, listen to me. Do you know what keeps a person from God? We talked about this idea of barriers. Do you know what the main barrier is? Pride. Pride. Pride is what keeps us from God. So Jesus, he comes to these guys, these people, not just men. He comes to these people, but he didn't meet their standards. 
He didn't meet their standards. They didn't like the way he did things because it didn't align with their way. So they rejected his teaching and ultimately they rejected him. Friends, hear me say this. Whenever we dismiss God's ways, it's pride. It's the whole like, my way's better than your way. My timing sometimes is better than your timing. But hear me say this, this is really important. A dismissal of God's ways is a dismissal of God. I'm going to say that again. It's really important. A dismissal of God's ways is a dismissal of him. And pride, it's what keeps us from God. Uh, Notice here too, Jesus doesn't just expose their pride, okay? He doesn't just expose their pride. He also exposes their hypocrisy. You see, these Jewish leaders, I talked about this already, they're plotting to kill him. (laughs) They're plotting to kill Jesus, okay? Which would have been against the Jewish law. So they plot to kill him. That's against their own law. But they're more concerned with Jesus essentially not going to seminary than they are about breaking God's law. But there's more. Let's keep reading. Verse 21. Jesus says this, I performed one work and you are all amazed. Amazed, Jesus answered. He's basically, he's referring to, you remember he healed the guy at the pool of Bethesda? And the stirring up, he heals the guy, right? That's what he's talking about. Verse 22, this is why Moses has given you circumcision. Not that it comes from Moses, but from the fathers, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. Verse 23, if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses won't be broken, are you angry at me because I, am, because I made a man entirely well on the Sabbath? He's pointing out more hypocrisy here. Okay, this is basically what he's saying. The Jews, they were supposed to circumcise their adult, I'm sorry, their adult, no. (laughs) They were supposed supposed to circumcise their male babies on the eighth day, okay? They were also supposed to not work on the Sabbath. Circumcise on the eighth day, don't work on the Sabbath. What happens when the eighth day falls on the Sabbath? Like, what law do you obey? Which one? <clears throat> they, they circumcised on the eighth day, even if it fell on the Sabbath. So essentially, they broke their own law, right? So Jesus is like, you actually do that. You actually circumcise on the Sabbath. You break your own law. You don't even live up to your own standards. Hypocrisy. And then he sums it all up here in the last verse, verse 24. Stop judging according to outward appearances. Rather judge according to righteous judgment. All right, I'm going to close with this. I'll call the band up. I'm going to read that again because it's really important. That last verse, 24. Stop judging according to outward appearances. Rather judge according to righteous judgment. Essentially, essentially what Jesus is saying here is he's saying don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a book by its cover. Judge by what's actually true. Judge by what's true. Um, it was cool, <laughs> kind of a funny story this week. Uh, we spent some time with, with Paul and Lynn's 
And <laughs> so their son Noah has this costume. It's this Transformer costume. You guys are familiar with Transformers? This Bumblebee costume, right? And my youngest daughter, Vivian, every time she sees it, she like has to put it on. And you, pick, you learn to pick your battles as a parent. <laughs> it's like, okay, they're super gracious. Yeah, let her try it on. Um, so she's wearing this Bumblebee Transformer costume. And then they graciously let her borrow it. So needless to say, for the last few days, she's been living. <laughs> we'll get you a new one. <laughs> she's been living in this costume, okay? So much so that Eb, my wife, Ebony, she had to go, take, she had to go run some errands, um, you know, grocery shopping and stuff. And Target run, I think is what it was. <laughs> and so she goes in this Target run, and Vivi's has to be in the Bumblebee costume. If you see, it's like this, it's just basically like a robot, right? Crazy robot, muscles, the whole thing. And it doesn't just have like the stuff that covers your legs and your arms and your feet and whatever. It's got gloves, and it's even got a mask. So it's like full-on coverage, man, like armor. So she's wearing it all in Target, and Eb's trying to get stuff done. And, and it was funny, because like all the little boys in the store are like, oh, like yeah, like, that's Bumblebee, you know? And they're like, look, Mom, that's Bumblebee, you know? And, and Phoebe just getting a kick out of that. Like, yeah. Like, see, Mom, everyone thinks it's cool, you know? We clearly don't get it. And then one little boy that's just fixed on it, um, Phoebe takes the mask off. And the boy, Mom, it's a girl! Jesus says, don't judge by outward appearances. Make your judgments based on what's true. You see, to know what's actually true, you have to look below the surface, right? And hear me say this, not just with other people, but with yourself. And guys, do you know what you must have in order to actually do this. Humility. Like maybe, just maybe, you don't actually know the contents of the book just by looking at its cover. So, do you see what Jesus is really teaching here? You can't understand yourself and you can't understand God without humility. Like, you cannot understand who you are. You can't understand you and you can't understand God without humility. Because humility, friends, what, what it actually is, is it's having an accurate view of yourself and an accurate view of God. An accurate view, a real view, a true view. And if you're going to actually walk in humility, it requires two things. The first, it requires an honest examination of yourself. And listen to me, if you do this, it's not always easy, but if you do this, you'll discover, you will discover something. In fact, you'll discover some things. One of the first things you'll discover is you'll discover pride. Pride. Pride essentially is self-worship. 
To worship means to ascribe worth, like ultimate worth. So in the moments, you're just like me, so this isn't a shock. The moments when, when you, just like me, when, we, when ourselves become the most valuable thing, like it's worth the most, we ascribe the most worth to me, that's pride. That's self-worship. So whenever we're selfish, whenever I choose me over you, that's pride, that, that's sin, right? So if you honestly examine yourself, like the, you know, like there's the you that when you roll out of bed first thing in the morning, there's that you. And then there's the you three hours later when you've showered and you're like brush your teeth and you put on deodorant and you put on nice clothes. And I'm not talking about the three hour after you wake up you. I'm talking about the you the moment your eyes open. Stinky breath, messy hair. That you. An honest examination of you. If you honestly examine yourself, you'll discover pride. You'll discover hypocrisy. Like that you yourself don't live up to the standards that you hold for other people. Friends, if you, if you honestly examine yourself, you will discover sin. You'll discover that you sin against God and you sin against other people. And listen to me, that will humble you. That will humble you. It will give you an accurate view of yourself. But listen, that's only half the equation. That's only half the equation of true humility. The other half, it requires an honest examination of Jesus. Honest examination of you, an honest examination of Jesus. And listen to me, if you do that, if you honestly examine Jesus, do you know what you'll find? You'll find the only remedy for the disease of your sin. You find grace, endless, unending, oceans and oceans and oceans of his grace. Grace for your pride, of self-worship, of choosing yourself over other people. And here's the beautiful thing. You don't deserve his grace and mercy and forgiveness, right? For our pride, but he gives it to us anyway. And when we receive the grace, undeserved favor, mercy, love, it actually starts to change our desires. You don't want to choose self anymore. Can you mute their mics? I think that's what's going on. You hear me say that? It it changes you. You receive that grace, you don't deserve it, and it starts to change you. You don't want to choose you anymore because you know the outcome's going to be brokenness. Pride leads to despair. So grace for your pride, grace for your hypocrisy, grace for your sin. Listen to me. The more aware you become of yourself, like truly aware, the more beautiful Jesus becomes the more glorious he becomes because he teaches us the truth about ourselves and he offers us endless grace. So it's not just bad news. It's bad news, good news. Bad news, good news constantly. He doesn't leave you or forsake you. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't say bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. Try harder, get better. And he tells you the truth about yourself and endless grace to change you, to transform you. 
It's that grace that transforms us into who we truly are. How many of you guys know there's a difference between watching like a cooking show on Netflix, hearing the sizzle, looking at it? How many know there's a difference between watching a cooking show on Netflix and tasting the food? Some of you guys could get up here and do a better preach on grace than I could conceptually. My friend, when was the last time you tasted his grace? I was praying this morning and I feel really strongly like some of you, you don't know how starved you are. You're running hard. You're going hard. You're going strong. You don't know how starved you are for grace because you don't have an accurate view of yourself. Your pride, it's blinding you. It's a barrier. And you don't need more control. You don't need to get your way more. You need a fresh encounter with God's grace. So this passage, right? Jesus, he goes to these people in love in his timing. He goes to these people and in love, he teaches these people about their pride and about their hypocrisy. And hear me say this. He wasn't trying to humiliate them. He was not trying to humiliate them. He was trying to remove the barriers so they could actually receive what their souls need more than anything. The restoring and the empowering grace of God. So listen to me. Maybe, just maybe, God's doing the same thing for you this morning. Will you stand if you're able? I want to pray for us. I'm going to listen for a bit. I'm going to pray. I'm excited. I didn't preach too long today, so we have plenty of time for ministry. Um, But let me just listen for a bit. I want to see what God wants to do, and then I'll pray, okay? Uh, I get the sense that some of us are you really are learning about yourself and it's really hard for you. It's really uncomfortable. I just want to tell you, like, I know. It is uncomfortable. It's really hard. Dying to yourself is really difficult. Um, So I think that there's two types of people in the room. I think there's people who are kind of erring on one side of the other, or one side of the other, the I'm aware of myself, I've done an honest examination of myself and I don't like what I see, but I haven't given myself over to doing an honest examination of Jesus because I, for a a plethora of different reasons, like you don't feel like you're good enough, you don't feel like, um, like you feel like you need to do something so I think there's, there's some of us that genuinely need to examine whether the gospel's true or not. And actually, if it's true, receive that grace. Actually open your heart and take grab a hold of it. And I think there's others of us who are kind of going through the motions as a Christian of like, yeah, God's grace, it covers it, cool. And you don't know how broken you are. You don't know the reality of yourself. It's blinding you from humility, which is actually keeping you from actually understanding his grace and tasting it. 
pray for us. Father, I pray for every heart in the room that there would be just as much of an understanding of, of, our, of ourselves, how broken we are, how undeserved we are of your love and your grace and your mercy. I pray that there be a, a like, revive our spirits in that, Lord. Break our heart for sin. It destroys everything. Would you make us aware of ourselves and simultaneously, Holy Spirit, would you like, <laughs> would you rub ointment on the wounds of our soul with your grace? You're like a surgeon. The scalpel, the cut, it hurts, but you do it so that you can, you can, you can provide care to bring, us, to bring us more life. So I pray that all of us today <clears throat> would grow in humility an honest awareness of, of who we are, what we do, how broken we are, and an honest awareness of how much you've lavished your grace on us. And it wouldn't just be a concept. We'd receive it. We'd taste it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that he's good. I pray that it would bind us together <laughs> because we have a, a family of people who are just as jacked up as us and just as loved and it would empower us to not avoid to not avoid the topic of Jesus because he's a teacher who teaches us truth about ourselves and he's a distributor of grace an endless amount of grace that can transform the entire planet and that starts with us we need you Holy Spirit minister to us now we pray these things in the holy and beautiful name of Jesus Amen